not Pastor Edmund's word. I am who it says I am. And I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I'm going to have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this Father's Day. Thank you that you are our ultimate Father. We trust you and we believe in you. And Father, as I share your word, I pray in Jesus' name that our hearts are ready to receive it. Our minds will be renewed by it. And our lives will be changed for the better because of it. And so I step back now so the Spirit of God can use me to minister your word to your people. And I declare in advance that signs, miracles, and wonders are going to follow our lives as a result of your word. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus I pray. Let everybody say amen. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. I am going to sit just like I did on last week and teach you this word. So we're in our 10th and probably final lesson in the series called Facing the Giants. So if you're joining us for the very first time, uh, we're in a series called Facing the Giants. And we've learned that giants don't go away. They must be conquered. Giants don't go away. They must be conquered. So whether that giant is fear unforgiveness, low self-esteem, lust, poverty, or even jealousy. Whatever it is, whatever giant you're facing today must be conquered. And if not, you and I will live below our mental, spiritual, physical, marital, educational, relational, occupational, and even financial potential. So, there's an advantage that we have of overcoming our giants because it allows us, watch this now, to live at the next level. Giants impede our progress in life. And so some of us, our, our potential is not being maximized because we've allowed our adversary, the devil, to lie to us. So if you're taking notes today, our lesson title is Facing the Giant, Our Adversary. Okay, so I have three points for you today. This is going to be an amazing lesson. I want you to listen with your heart, but I want you to pay attention to me with your mind. Okay, so here's the first point if you're taking notes, and that is you have an adversary. You have an adversary. Let's go to now 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 5, or chapter 5, 8 through 9. This is what it says. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil. Notice it says, your adversary. That says that you and I have an adversary. He says we need to be sober. 
You need to stop drinking Jack Daniels. He said, hey, you need to be sober-minded, be vigilant, because, watch this, your adversary, the devil, my adversary, the devil, he's as a roaring lion. Notice it didn't say he was one, but he's roaring as one, and he's walking about seeking who he may devour. Verse 9 says, whom you and I resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Now, I want to read this in the Amplified, and then we're going to jump into point number one. The Amplified says, be well balanced. It's very important, church, to be well balanced. You know, Jesus flowed in the fruit of the Spirit at all times. Jesus didn't stay angry. You know, when he went through the temple and he turned over things, he didn't do that every day. He did it when the circumstance needed it. He was a very well-balanced individual. It says, be well-balanced, temperate, sober-minded, be vigilant and cautious at all times. For that enemy of yours, the devil, roams around like a lion roaring in fierce hunger. And here's what he's doing. He's seeking someone to seize upon and devour. Now, if you're taking notes, the word adversary, when you look it up in that verse, it means an enemy, and it also means an opponent, like in a lawsuit. So when he says our adversary, the devil, he's saying the devil is our enemy. He is our opponent as if we're in a lawsuit. I don't know if you've ever been in a lawsuit before, but what happens, there are two parties in a lawsuit, and typically... They are opposing one another to what they're in court for. Well, the adversary, the devil, he is our opponent. He is our enemy. So I want to give you a PowerPoint. This is my first now, first time now introducing this terminology, PowerPoint. But I want to give you a PowerPoint from this particular point today. And here it is. Whatever fight you're facing today, you are going to lose that fight if you see anything else or anyone else as the enemy. Wow, I'm going to say that again. Whatever fight you're facing today, you're going to lose that fight, church, if you see anything else or anyone else as the enemy. Because it did not say anyone else or anything else was the enemy. It said the devil was our enemy. Ephesians 6, 12 makes it very clear. It says, for we, you and I, wrestle not against flesh and blood, watch this, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness, watch this, in high places. So listen to me, church. Linda, listen, listen, Linda. Your fight is never against the person. Your fight is never against your past. Your fight is not against your pain. Your fight is not against drugs or alcohol. Your fight is always against the devil. Someone say amen to that. Because he is using all of those things I just named. He's using those to try to keep us captive. He continually reminds us of what someone has done or how hurtful that may have been. He reminds us of the bad decisions we have made. And he does that so we can focus on those things instead of, watch now, resisting him. He is the source of it. 
So let me give you some facts about lions. I did a little research. And the Bible says that the devil is as a roaring lion. So let's look at some tendencies of lions. Number one, lions, male lions, will use their roar to scare off intruders, watch this, and warn the pride of potential danger. Male lions will use their roar to scare off intruders. And do you know a lion's roar can be heard up to five miles? A lion's roar is him calling out to everyone that's in his territory that this is my territory and this is my pride. And see, this is why some of us, watch this, can never have a close-knit relationship with people because the devil won't let us. Why? Because he's roaring so loud that we can't hear the hearts of the people that God sends to us. We only hear the hurts of those who have caused damage in our lives. So there are four types of relationships that the devil will roar in your ear to keep you from connecting with or staying connected with. I'm going to say that again. I got these from Jimmy Evans. These four types of relationships... The devil will roar in your ear to keep you from connecting with or staying connected to. Here's the first relationship, and that is your relationship with God. If he can disconnect you from God, he's got you. You say, well, why, Pastor Reverend? Because you and I, once we disconnect from God, we have been made in his image. And once we disconnect from the person whose image we have been made out of, we can not only not only see him, but we won't be able to see ourselves because we have been made in the image of God. So he wants to disconnect us from our relationship with God. And this is why he tells a lot of you uh, when God didn't do something the way we thought he should or he didn't show up when we thought he should have made, uh, showed up. This is why the devil tries to get us, and I'm talking to somebody right now, he's trying to get you offended with God. So number one, your relationship with God. Here's the second relationship he wants to disconnect you from or to keep you uh, from staying connected with, and that is your marital relationship with your spouse. See, you have to understand a marriage is basically two people, and those two people create the image of God. Notice the Bible says in Genesis that God created man, uh, uh, a man, that means mankind in his image. Male and female, he created them. So a man and a woman married is really the image of God expressed in the earth. And this is why now separation should only take place where there is physical or abusive, verbal abuse uh, relationships are there. And even if you're going to separate then, you need to do that with some type of counseling, professional counseling in place. Counseling from your friends don't count. Someone say amen to that. See, the only time you should really separate scripturally is for the purpose of fasting and praying. And even with that, you must be limited or you open the door to invite the devil in. I'm going to read the New Living Translation of 1 Corinthians 7, verse 5 and 6. It says, do not deprive, this is married couples, I'm not talking to singles right now. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree, that's the key now, you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time. I want you to notice that so you can give yourselves more completely. Here's the point. You 
can give yourself more completely over to prayer. And then it says, afterwards, you should come back again. So Satan, watch this, won't be able to tempt you. See, a lot of married couples open the door for the devil to tempt them just from not coming back together physically. So the second relationship is your spouse. Number three is your church and godly relationships that help you grow. I'm talking about relationships that the devil wants to keep you uh, from staying connected to or to disconnect from. Here's the the, uh, third one, your church and godly relationships. Because, see, outside of marital relationships, if there's any relationship the enemy wants to unplug you from are the spiritual ones that help you grow. And this is why offense in a church happens so easily. Why? Because the devil is trying to offend you to pull you out of the spiritual place and from spiritual people that love you and are there to help you grow. Someone say amen to that. And then here's the the fourth uh, uh, area that the devil would try to keep you from, and that is any authoritative relationships. You know, relationships like your parents, relationships like your pastor. Uh, And let me just say this. Young people... Your parents are not your enemy. They are in your life to make good things happen for your life. And whatever's best for you, that's what they're going to try to do to guide you. Now, let me speak on behalf of most of the parents. Unfortunately, many times, as parents, we parent out of fear. We're trying to keep you from making mistakes that we made. Now, let me talk to the parents because... You know, parents, the enemy wants you to find fault with any spiritual authority that comes in your life. That's why, you know, you you meet a pastor or you meet someone in church and the enemy immediately starts criticizing that person to you because the enemy does not want you to spiritually connect to any person that's, that's designed to help you grow. Someone say amen to that. So... Our first point is we all have an adversary. Here's point number two if you're taking notes. And that is the weapons of our adversary. Now this is going to be very good because I'm going to show you how the devil defeats us. I mean, can you imagine this? Let me show you how good. And I'm not bragging on the devil. I'm just showing you how good he is at his job. I want you to think about this. The devil was able to make two perfect people who never had a bad day in their life, who had every need met in their life, who was connected in a spiritual way to the the God of the universe that created them. They had a perfect relationship with him. They never had pain. They have never had a need. They never had a bad day. But somehow the devil was able to make them disobey God. Watch this now. Let's go back to 1 Peter chapter 5. I'm going to reread it because now we're going to look at the weapons of our adversary. I'm going to show you what he uses against us. It says, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil. Remember now, nobody else is your adversary. Nothing else is your adversary. He says he's walking around as a roaring lion seeking, watch this, whom he may devour. I want to talk to you about that word devour. If you're taking notes, the word devour, watch this. This is interesting. It means to drown and swallow. It also means to drink down in 
big gulps. In other words, the devil wants to drown us and then swallow us. He wants to swallow us in big gulps. Now, let's look at a passage of Scripture that uses this word devour or swallow up in big gulps. Let's look at a verse so that can we, we can see how this word was used. Now, I don't want us to dive into the theological understanding of the verse. We're not going to get into that. I just want to show you uh, a good mental uh, picture of this word devour. This is in Revelation chapter 12, verse 12. He says, Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. Watch this. For the devil is come down unto you, and he has great wrath or anger, because he knows that his time is short. Watch verse 13. And when the dragon saw, now let me just point something out here, because the devil has lots of names in the Bible, and his names represent his character or what he's about. I mean, you can see him in the Bible as Satan. You can see him as Lucifer, which represents pride. We see here uh, in First Peter, he was called the devil. And now he's not only mentioned as the devil in Revelation, but he's also called the dragon. It says, and when the dragon saw that he was cast out of the earth, He persecuted the woman, the church, which brought forth the man-child. Word verse 14. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly out of the wilderness unto her place, where she nourished for a time and times and a half uh, from the face of the serpent. Notice he now got a new name, serpent. Watch verse 15. And the serpent cast out of his mouth, the devil cast out of his mouth, Satan cast out of his mouth, watch this, water as a flood after the woman, that he, the devil, might cause her to be carried away with the flood. Verse 16 says, And the earth helped the woman, and the earth, watch this now, opened up her mouth, here's that word devour, and swallowed up with one big gulp the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. So let me give you a picture. The devil shows up on the scene. He causes a flood to come out of his mouth. The earth swallows up this flood. Verse 17 says, And the dragon was angry with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed which keeps the commandment of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, I know that was a lot of reading, but I want you to notice that the dragon or the devil used his mouth and what came out of it to try and destroy the woman. Do you, do you see that? In other words, that water, that flood that came out of his mouth, he used it to try and destroy the woman. Now, some of this in, that we read is literal, okay? And some of it is a metaphor. But let me just make it simple because we know that the devil has a mouth, not necessarily a physical one, but we know that he has one because he has the ability to speak. So verse 15 says, the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman. Now let me ask you a question. What are the effects of a flood? Are they good or bad? The effects of a flood are typically bad. In other words, they are meant to damage and destroy. So we already know that the resume of the devil is to kill, to steal, and to what? 
to destroy. So, listen, the flood that was coming out of his mouth had to be words, watch this, because that is what he used to derail Adam and Eve. See, Proverbs 18, 21 says, Death and life is in the power of our tongue. So the devil, when he had a flood to come out of his mouth, that flood were words. So you say, well, pastor, how do you know that? Because, listen, what else comes out of a person's mouth? Amen. Now watch Genesis 3. I'm going to show you that it was the words that was coming out of the devil's mouth that derailed Adam and Eve. And then I'm going to point something out. Genesis 3.1 says, Now the serpent, there's another name for him, was more subtle than any beast of the field. And let me say this to you. When the devil's after you, he's not going to let you know it's you. He's going to disguise it by getting you focused on somebody else. Or he's going to disguise it as your feelings, and I'll show you that in just a minute. It said, he was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, now let me say this, you and I, knowing the Bible, does not keep the devil from talking to us. I mean, Adam and Eve, they knew what God had said to them. They had a relationship with God, but it didn't keep the devil from talking to them. Amen. He says, yes, as God said, you shall not eat of the tree of the garden. And the woman said to him, unto the serpent, we may eat of the tree of the garden. uh, But verse 3 says, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God said, hey, we shall not eat it, neither shall we touch it. Verse 4 says, and the serpent said unto her, you shall not surely die. I'm going to show you what the adversary uses against us. Verse 5 says, for God knows in the day you eat it, you're going to be like God's and your eyes are going to be open and you're going to know good and evil. So listen. Listen, listen, Linda. The devil used his words, watch this, to do two things. Number one, he used his words to question the commandment that God had given Adam and Eve. But also, he used his words to lie to Eve. If you notice, he says, you're not going to die. Okay, so the flood that comes out of the devil's mouth to swallow us up, church... To, to, to try to devour us are lies. See, that was the only thing that derailed Adam and Eve. They believed the lie. Oh, you're not going to die. So there, listen, the main thing that the devil uses, and if you don't get anything that I'm teaching you today, I need you to get this. The main thing that the devil uses to try to devour us, to swallow us up, to swallow us in big gulps, the only thing that he uses to try to do that are lies. And lies come in three forms. Here's number one. Lies come in first the form of feelings. This is when you and I, when the lies of the enemy warp our perceptions so that we allow how we feel to dictate our actions. Here's the second ways that lies come. They come in the form of facts. This is when we believe the enemy's lies to believe the facts about our situation and keeps us out of faith. This is why it is so dangerous to continue to just read or listen to what the doctor told you. Oh, the doctor told you some facts, but you got to put the truth in because if not, you're going to believe the facts and the facts lie. Here's number three. These lies come in feelings. They come in the in fact, here's the number three. It comes in fears. This is when the enemy uses lies to create scenarios that are not even real 
and that has not even happened yet. If you pay your tithe, you're going to be short in your rent. And if you're short in your rent, you're going to get thrown out and they're going to evict you. And before you even got a paycheck to give your tithe, you have believing that you're going to get evicted. The devil is a lie. So how do you and I know? This is, oh, church, listen, listen, listen. How do you know when you have believed a lie from the devil? Here, listen. It's when we let one of those three types of lies change our perspective from the truth of God's word. In other words, when we have believed a lie, we will operate from our facts. We will uh, uh, we will act from our feelings and we will be moved by our fears instead of faith to God's word. So listen, any actions that you and I do outside of obeying the word shows that we have cracked the door to the devil because we believe the lie. In other words, if there are some areas of your life and you are not obeying God in, it's only because it's not because you don't love God because I believe all of us love God. And last week we learned that, you know, our love may not be fully developed, but we love God. But if we're not obeying area in certain, uh, obeying God in certain areas, it's because we believe the lie. And once you and I believe a lie, and I'll show you, we just crack the door and we invite the devil in for dinner. So here's the million dollar question as I'm winding down. This is the million dollar question. How do we overcome our, adver- our adversary? How do we do that? How do we do now? I haven't done it perfectly, but I've learned how to do it. This is why I'm teaching you this. Because, see, many of you watching me are scared of the devil. He's a bully. And the only way he can defeat us is through us believing the lies he tells us. So here's point number three. Here's the million dollar question. How do we overcome our adversary? Here's number three. You and I can win over the adversary. That's the point. We can win over the adversary. And we're going to win in four ways. Here's the first way we're going to win. Because Jesus has already defeated the devil for us. He's already defeated the devil for us. You know, when I was growing up uh, and I was in school, some of the families that I went to school with had lots of brothers and sisters. And those are the people you didn't want to fight. Because you knew that the Jones family... It was eight of them, and six of them were in high school. A couple of them were sets of twins, and then they had a couple of more. Well, if you fight one, you're going to have to fight all of them. Well, see, what we don't understand is that Jesus has already whooped the devil for us. Watch this now. This is in Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. It says, and you, me and you, this is so good, being dead in our sins and the uncircumcision of our flesh, He, Jesus, has quickened us or made us alive, watch this, together with him, having forgiven you, watch this, all of your trespasses. Can I tell you something that you may not have known? Jesus, when he shed his blood for you and I, it wiped out all of the sins. You say, well, how can he have done that? Let me say it like this. He has wiped out all past, present, and future sins. You say, well, Pastor Edmund, how can he forgive my future sins if I haven't asked asked him to forgive me? See, you have to understand, asking for forgiveness is not 
for you to be reinstated in your relationship with God. See, when you got born again and the Spirit came to live on the inside of you, that right there is God permanently living on the inside of you. So when you ask God to forgive you for your sins, it's not for that relationship that you have with God to be reinstated. It's really all about your fellowship with God being reinstated. And that's why the forgiveness of sins are done, past, present, and future. You're only asking God to forgive you so you can restore that fellowship with Him so you can hear Him better and obey Him. Somebody say amen to that. Praise the Lord. Colossians, it says, verse 14, blotting out, this is what Jesus did, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he took out of the way and he nailed all of this to the cross, verse 15. And having spoiled, this is what Jesus did. Now, this is why I say we have overcome the adversary because he says, and having spoiled principalities, and powers. He, Jesus, made a show of them open, openly. He triumphed over them in it. In other words, he defeated the devil in broad daylight. Look in 1 John 3, 8. It says, He that commits sin, commits sin is of the devil. For the devil sins from the beginning. For this purpose. The purpose of what? The purpose of sin was the Son of God, watch this now, manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. So the reason why you and I can overcome the devil, overcome our adversary, is because number one, Jesus has defeated him for us. Here's number two. Jesus, once he defeated the devil, he transferred to us power and authority over the enemy. He transferred the power and authority over the enemy. You say, well, Pastor, what's the difference? Let's say you go to uh, CVS and, uh, you know, you're bringing back an item and the person at the cash register, uh, they don't have the, they, they, they have the power to return, allow you to return the merchandise, but they don't have the authority to return your money. And so what they do, they start the transaction and then they get on the phone and they say, can I have a manager up here? Because the manager has the key to open the register to take your money out. Listen, the salesperson or the clerk, they had the power to return your merchandise, but they didn't have the authority to give you your money back. Well, Jesus has given us power and authority over the devil. Oh, that's good right there. Listen to what he says in Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Behold, this is Jesus talking. He says, I give unto you. It was a gift. We don't have to earn it. He says, I give unto you power to tread on serpents. There's another name for the devil. Scorpions. And then watch this. And over all, not some, but over all the power of the enemy. And then he says, nothing shall even hurt you. <laughs> you know, the uh, the old school saints have all these different, uh, uh, I don't know, tendencies and beliefs growing up. So uh, uh, I was at my mom's house not too long ago, and the previous night it had stormed. And uh, I was asking my mom, I said, so mama, uh, was everything okay out here? She says, yes. Uh, I said, uh did the lights go out? She says, well, no. She says, what I did, I, I cut off everything in the house. I cut the lights out. And uh, I always do that 
when it's storming. I said, why? Why do you sit in the dark? The lights ain't out. She says, well, my, my mother always told me, you be quiet during storms. <laughs> and you know what? I saw that in the spiritual. See, some of us need to be quiet in this storm. You got your mouth running, and those words that you are speaking are actually working against the situation you are in, but that's another whole story. Let me read Luke chapter 10, verse 18, through the Amplified Version. It says, and he said unto them, Jesus said this, I saw Satan falling like lightning, a flash from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority and power to trample upon serpents and scorpions and physical, listen to me church, and mental strength and abilities over all, not some, that the enemy possesses, possesses and nothing shall any way harm you. So listen. If Jesus has defeated the adversary for us and he's transferred us that power to defeat him, how, how, do, how do we do that? How do we use it? Here's number three. For us to overcome the, the enemy, our adversary, we must now resist him. Let's go back to our text. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8. This is how now you do this. He says, be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, he's like a roaring lion. He's walking about seeking whom he may devour. He can't devour everybody. I'm going to show you why. Verse 9 tells us we must resist him steadfast in the faith. So here's a take-home statement that I want you to write down. Here's a take-home statement. You cannot resist what you are in agreement with. Oh, 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 man. That was good right there. Let me say that again. You cannot resist what you are in agreement with. Amen. What, here's the question, what are we resisting? It says resist the devil and he will flee. What are we resisting? Let's go back now. We are resisting, listen church, the lies that he's telling us. How did he get Adam and Eve off track? He told them God didn't say that. God, no, he told them a lie. And once they believed the lie, it, fell, it caused them to fall in sin. So what are we resisting in faith? We are resisting the lies that he tells us. But we can't resist if we're in agreement with it. So what does it mean to resist in faith? Let's see how Jesus did it. Because contrary to popular belief, the devil fought against Jesus. The devil talked to Jesus. And can I tell you this, church? If the devil talked to Jesus, he's going to talk to you. Watch this. Matthew chapter 4, verse 3. This is so good, I'm wrapping up. And when the tempter came, notice all these names. So when you see, when you feel temptation, it's the tempter. It says, and when the tempter came to him, Jesus, he said to him, okay, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. Remember in Revelations, the Bible says that a flood came out of the dragon's mouth. And I said that flood was words. Watch this. It says, when the tempter came to Jesus, he said, he talked to Jesus. He talked to our Lord and Savior. Let's see what he said. If you be the son of God. Jesus, I want you to command these stones to be made bread. But Jesus answered him and said, 
It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So here's the question, because this is going to be uh, in the application part of our lesson today. Here's the question. What was the lie? Because remember, I told you, what are we supposed to be resisting, church? What are we supposed to be resisting, church? The what? The lies from the devil. So what was the lie that he was trying to get Jesus to swallow? Well, I'm going to tell you what the lie was, and then I'm going to go back and show it to you. He was trying to get Jesus to swallow the lie that he was not the Son of God. So now, how do we know that? Well, let's go back up to some previous verses. Now, remember, the Bible was not written in chapter and verses. They put it like that so that you and I can make reference to it. Okay, so let's let's just act like, you know, we read chapter 4. Let's act like chapter 3 and chapter 4 was one long letter. So let's go back now to Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, because I'm going to show you where... The lie, or why, the, why I told you that the lie was him not believing he was the Son of God. Let's see where that lie shows up at, or the devil tries to make it show up. Matthew three sixteen, And Jesus, when he was baptized, watch this, he went out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw, Jesus saw, the Spirit of God descending like a dove. It didn't say it was a dove. He descended like a dove and it fell on him. Verse 17. Watch this now, church. This is important. And lo, a voice from heaven said. Now, let me just say this. It may not be a modern name, but... If you're having a baby and, and you want God to always be with him, name him low. Name him low. You say, why, why name him low? Because Jesus said, low, I will be with you even until the end of the earth. So don't name him Shakadulu. Name him low. It says, low, a voice from heaven said, watch what the voice said. Where did this voice come from? It came from heaven. Who was talking? God was talking. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Then chapter 4 says, Jesus was led up of the spirit in the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry and the tempter came to him and says, if you be the son of God. So listen, he was trying to get Jesus to not believe the voice he heard. And if he does that to Jesus, he's going to do that to you and me. Most of us cannot walk in confidence as sons and daughters of God because we are believing the lies that the devil has told about us. So how did Jesus resist the devil? Because this is how you win. Here's number four. He resisted the devil with the truth. In other words, you and I have to speak up. You got to say something. Verse 4 in, in Matthew 4 says, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In other words, you and I, listen, we resist the devil with truth. John 17, 17 says, sanctify them through thy truth. 
Thy word is truth. So the truth is the word and the word is the truth. So the truth of God's word, listen, is my defense against the devil who is trying to use lies against me to devour me. Therefore, what we must do is resist the lies that are coming from him with the truth of God's word. When he says, you are no good, you said, no, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, devil. You're not going to succeed in life. Oh, no, 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 devil. No, the Bible says God has a plan for me, and his plans for me are good and not evil. Plans to give me an expected end. You will never get pregnant. Uh, your mama didn't get pregnant. Your daddy didn't get pregnant. See, he already lied, because if your mama didn't get pregnant, you wouldn't be here. So he lies. You have to say, oh, no, no, no. My womb is blessed. God gives children as an inheritance from the Lord. You and I, let me show you how to do it. You and I need to use the same weapon of words to fight the devil and resist him that he tried to use against us. He's using words on us. We need to use words against him. Revelation 12, 10, this is uh, my last verse. It says, and I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of our Christ. For the accuser of the brethren. Man, how many names does this dude have? We done went from Satan, Lucifer, the tempter, the dragon, the devil. I mean, now they call him the, the accuser of the brethren. He's cast down, which accused them before God day and night. Watch verse 11. And they, who are they? Me and you are they. They overcame him. They resisted him. They resisted him. How? By the blood of the Lamb, we listen, and by the word of our testimony. When you look that word testimony up, it means recorded statement. You and I, we resist him with the recording statements of God's word. So here is the truth. Listen. Here is the truth about our adversary summarized in one statement. Are you ready, church? The devil can only devour those who don't resist him with truth. Oh, I'm going to say that again. Pastor Evan, please rewind that one. Here we go. The devourer, the devil, can only drink in one gulp and swallow those up who don't resist him with truth. So how do we apply this today? Here's the first way we apply this. We must become aware of lies from the enemy when they are being, listen, suggested through thoughts. I'm going to say that again. See, some of y'all don't recognize the devil because they're coming in the form of suggested thoughts. Let me, let me give you an idea. Let me give you an example. It's time for you. I'm talking to a, a high school graduate now. And he's telling you, you're not going to be able to make it through college. You're not going to be able to even get in college. You ain't got no money for college. Your mama and your dad ain't got no money for college. So how you going? You ain't going to get to college. See, see, first of all, that's a lie. You say, well, Pastor Evan, my mom and daddy don't have no money. See what I tell you. There are three forms of lies, and one of them are facts. The fact may be your mama and daddy ain't got no money, but when you have a relationship with God, you now become his child, and the Scripture says that he shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory, not your mama and daddy's, by Christ Jesus. So the truth really is God's got a supply. 
that you might not see, but it doesn't mean it's not real. So we must become aware of these lies from the enemy. You got to be aware when they are being suggested through thoughts. Listen, when you hear a thought, this is how you track it. When you hear a thought, ask yourself the question, is that thought a lie or not? How do you know, Pastor, if it's a lie or not? Does it contradict Scripture? Okay, so let me give you, let me give you an idea. You're fighting some form of sickness. Somebody's watching me. You might be fighting COVID. Here's my question. The devil of lies say you're going to die. You are going to die. You see all these people on the news, they done died with the COVID, and now your mama got it, and she didn't have good health anyway before she got it, and she's got these underlying symptoms, and all those people, 85% of them die because they have underlying symptoms. And the devil is telling you, your mama going to die. Go on and plan her funeral. Well, ask yourself the question, is that a lie? Well, just, you say, well, Pastor Edmund, is it a lie? Well, call your mom and ask her, do she want to die? Call her. Mama, do you want to die? No, girl, I don't want to die. Stand in faith with me. And the Bible says, I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. So you have to ask yourself, is that thought a lie? My husband don't love me. Go and ask him. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, he will say, baby, I don't, I, I love you. Is it a lie? Does it contradict scripture? Here's number two. We must take each thought captive. When we discover this thought, we must take it captive. Why? By speaking truth or listen what will happen. See, when you hear a thought that's a lie, if you don't, Take that thought captive by speaking truth. Then that lie will exalt itself against the knowledge of God. And what will happen is that lie will continue to build and what will happen, a stronghold will develop. We must take each thought captive. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 4 says, For the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God, watch this, to the pulling down of strongholds, Casting down imaginations, and watch this, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. See, these thoughts are trying to exalt itself in your mind against the knowledge of God. But then he says, and bringing into captivity every thought. How do you do that? Open your mouth like Jesus did and say, it is written. And then I love the next verse. It says, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. How in the world are you going to expect God to work on somebody and he ain't working on you? Here's the last one. When the enemy is trying to lie to you and me, especially if it's about somebody, ask that person, do they really feel that way? Because most of the time, they're not. He's lying. And I'm watching some people today because God will put stuff on my heart to, to teach on. I have never taught on the adversary like this. God will put things on my heart to teach because he knows people are struggling in the area. And there's some of you watching me right now. The devil's been talking to you. Somebody's ready to walk out of a relationship. Don't do it. That's your facts. 
That's your fears and that's your feelings trying to get you to walk out of a God-ordained relationship. You say, well, Pastor Evan, I don't know what to do. Let me give you the first step of faith. Pick up the phone and call 817-453-8222. There are some people on the other line that will pray with you and get in, in agreement to God's will and God's word for your relationship. There's a teenager right now, you're contemplating suicide. That's not the way to go. That's the devil talking to you. He wants you to give in. He wants you to give up. Let me say this to you. Just because you don't understand or know God's plan for your life doesn't mean he doesn't have one. He does. And I charge you in Jesus' name to stick around so you can discover it. I didn't discover God's will for my life until I was 21 years old. There's some people watching me right now. Devil's been, I mean, he's been talking to you so much. Oh, Jesus, please help me communicate this. He's convinced you that these thoughts you're having are yours. That's why people do commit suicide. Because they think the thoughts that they are thinking are theirs. Can I tell you something? Those thoughts that contradict the word are not coming from God. And let me tell you this, they're not coming from you. They're coming from the devil. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice whom the devil has tried to swallow up. Father, as an apostolic voice, as a man of God, and as a pastor of this church, I say, devil in Jesus' name, the word that they heard shall prevail in their life even now. Back off of the people of God. No weapon formed against them shall prosper. Father, I thank you that any tongue that has tried to rise against them, not only will they prove to be wrong, but the Spirit of God will lift the standard to pull them out. And I pray today in Jesus' name that the word we have heard won't just go into our head and won't just go into our ears. It will drop down in the midst of our hearts. And we will hear it over and over and over again. And Father, we'll get testimonies of people kicking and evicting the devil out, saying, I won. I have the victory through Christ Jesus. Because, Father, they understood that they have power and authority over the enemy. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. With every head still bowed, I know you're watching me on your computer. You're watching me on your phone. But if you are a believer, I want you to pray right now. So first,